little review from last week. Um, Pharaoh responds to Moses and Aaron coming to him and being like, let my people go. And he's like, no way. I'm going to make the lives harder of all the Israelites. Then all the Israelites turn to Moses to hate him. They're like, you made our lives even worse. We don't trust you. We don't trust God. And then Moses is naturally very discouraged as a leader, questioning what God is doing, questioning if he's supposed to be in this position. Um, but God encourages Moses and tells him that his will will be done, that he will bring the people out of Egypt. Um, and he tells him, turn back around and go back to Pharaoh and tell him the same thing to let the people go. Um, so this week we're going to be covering chapters 7 and 8. And a common theme we're going to see throughout this um, these two chapters is that God does everything so that people will know that he is God. He'll say it over and over again. He'll be like, so that the people of Egypt will know that I'm God. I'm going to do this because the people of Egypt need to know that I'm God. So why do you think God is so concerned with people knowing that he is God? Literally thinking about the same thing. No so, way. So I was. So I'm very excited to hear what everyone's going to say. <laughs> well, if you were thinking about it, you should have an answer. Uh, oh, well, I think. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe. Maybe we'll open up to everyone else and then Elise can talk. <laughs> what do you guys think? Why do you think God is so concerned with people knowing who he is? There are a lot of gods in Egypt. Yes. This time. And they're all for different things and different people elevate different ones according to their own you know, lifestyles or whatever. And yeah. so everybody's got like a god that's their god and mm. the little god for the little things. So the god, big god, our god, wants to show them that he's the yeah. only one. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Everyone chose their own God. And then today, it's no different. Everyone chooses their own truth. We don't have actual idols, but we have our own truths. Which become idols. idols and little gods. Yeah, what else do you guys think? Why is God so concerned with people knowing that he's God? Well, I mean, if I was, like, the one true God, I'd be like, I I would want everyone to know that I am and show them like, all the other, like, gods that they're worshiping are nothing. Mm. Right. Yeah. Like, if you created all things, you'd want the creation to know that you're the one that created them. Yeah. Yeah. Would you quit? Yeah. I would say your thoughts. Um, I mean, I think, like, God being, like, God, I think he would want us to know him for, like, similar reasons that, like, a mom or a dad would want their kid to know that they're their parents. Like, I'm just thinking about you. Like, you want Georgia to, like, be attached to you and, like, yeah. to, like, love you and know <laughs> oh, that, like, she's attached. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to know that you are her mom. So I think God kind of, like, feels the same way about us. Like, he wants us to know, like, I am God. Like, I am your creator. I am your sustainer. And I love you. Mm-hmm. And I want you to, like, enjoy me and enjoy my creation and to know that it's all because of me. Yeah. To... That's good. Yeah. All of the things that you guys said are, like, spot on. God is the creator of all things, so he's like, I want everyone to know that I'm the creator. I just, like, I I get the glory. And he's not selfish in asking for that either, because he's God. And yeah. then, like Andrea said, the Egyptians had a plethora of gods that they worshipped. And God is a jealous God. So he's like, why are you worshipping those things? They don't even exist. I'm the one that is sovereign over that. And then, like Elise said, he he's just like a loving father that wants people to know that he is God, because he wants that relationship with them. Um, so Moses tells, God tells Moses and Aaron to go back to Pharaoh and command to let the people go. Um, so I'm going to do the same thing as I did last week, just kind of read through important verses and then just, we're going to walk through it. So we get the big picture. Um, so starting in verse three of chapter eight, um, oh wait, of chapter seven, sorry. Verse three of chapter seven, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to me. 
Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Um, so they go and they talk to Pharaoh, um, but and God... Oh, I read the wrong section. Okay, continue to read on in, chapter, in verse 8. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, Prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may be a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants and became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed the staffs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Um, so we see that um, Moses is using his staff again, right? And the staff is a symbol of what? Like, what is the staff supposed to symbolize? Anybody remember? God. God. Yeah, it's like the how Moses can do nothing apart from God's help. And the staff is just a constant reminder of his dependence on God. Um, so God tells Moses that Pharaoh's not going to listen to you, but when he doesn't listen to you, cast down your staff and it's going to turn into a snake. Um, so also review, what does the snake symbolize? Why does God purposely turn the staff into a snake? Yes, it symbolizes evil, right? And then also serpents were a big deal in the, the Egyptian world. Like Pharaoh would wear like a serpent. Oh no. Pharaoh would wear a serpent like on his head. Um, it was a sign of, like, authority and power, and, like, they were very sacred to the Egyptians, which is crazy, because, like, like, serpents are, like, gross and weird, and we're creeped out by them, but they thought they were amazing. Um, so that just kind of gives you a little window into what the world was like in Egypt. Um, so Moses and Aaron do exactly what God tells them to do, because they're obeying the God of the universe. Um, and, um, this is kind of crazy. Um, we can eat... Oh, yeah. So this is the crazy part, is that throughout the story, this, this, these next few chapters, the magicians of Egypt are going to replicate some of the signs that, um, that Moses and Aaron do, that God does. Um, and this kind of shows us that there is some sort of spiritual thing happening in Egypt. In fact, um, the Egyptians at this time historically were known for being involved with like the quote-unquote dark arts. So they are kind of messing around with this like dark magic, spiritual world. Um, so a lot of what we're seeing here is proving that there is some sort of spiritual warfare going on in Egypt. Um, so it's not just like a fancy magic trick that we go and see at shows. It's like actually the work of like, like evil and good working against each other in Egypt. Um, so we see that the magicians, they also replicate this sign um, and their staffs also become snakes. Um, and they're using some dark power, but we see something amazing happen. What does Aaron's staff do to the staff that the um, magicians yes. eat them? Yeah, it shows that like God is triumphant over evil, that Satan doesn't stand a chance um, when it comes to the power of God. That yes, like the power of Satan is real and, it's, and it, he does have some power, but the God's power trumps it every single time um, and God will reign victorious forever and ever. Um, so evil is real and we'll see that in the story of Egypt. We'll see that in Pharaoh. We'll see that throughout the Bible, but God's goodness, God's power always triumphs over evil. 
Um, and then one day we'll be in heaven and there will be no evil whatsoever. Um, so even after all this, Pharaoh sees that the Moses and Aaron's staff eats his magician's staff. Even after that, he, his heart is still hardened. Um, and so he doesn't really know what he's getting himself into, right? We have the plagues that are going to come. Um, Pharaoh should know that you should not mess around with the God of the universe. And he's going to learn his lesson. Um, so we dive into the first plagues. And there are ten plagues. Um, and we're just going to go through half of them today. But we'll, we see a pattern here in the plagues. Um, there's four parts. And typically every plague, there's a few plagues that have exceptions. Um, but there's like a pattern in them. Um, the first part is that God gives instructions and he tells why he's giving it. And it usually sounds like, Moses and Aaron do this so that my glory will be known in Egypt. Um, and then two, Moses and Aaron obey God's instructions. They always obey. They never ask questions. They just do it. Um, third, Pharaoh's magicians try to replicate the plague. Sometimes they fail. Sometimes they succeed. Um, and then Pharaoh's heart is always hardened. It always ends. A plague ends and Pharaoh's heart is hardened. Um, either Pharaoh hardens his own heart or God hardens Pharaoh's heart, which is a really interesting thing that we'll get to talk about next week. Um, but the main goal of all these plagues is that all the people, Israelites, Egyptians, um, slave or rich person or free, that all people will know that God is God and the only God. Um, so yeah, skipping down to verse 17. Um, this is when, this is the first plague, um, when the water is turned into blood in the Nile. So verse 17, thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall turn to blood. The fish in the Nile shall die, and the Nile will stink, and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. I hope so, because it's blood. <laughs> they should not be drinking it. <laughs> and the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the rivers, the canals, the ponds, and all the pools of water, so that they may become blood, and there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, even in the vessels of wood and the vessels of stone. Um, so we see here that Moses is commanded to go to the Nile um, and ask Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh will, of course, say no, because God told him that he's going to say no. And then he told him to strike the Nile. Why do you guys think that God chose the first plague to be the Nile, the, the river in Egypt? Why is the first plague blood, water to blood in, in the Nile? Water is the source of life. At this time, you have to be by water. You have to have yeah. access to water. You're yeah, it's the life source, and the Nile, especially for the Egyptians, was like their pride and joy. It's how they transported goods. It's how they, like, it's how they got life. It's how they. It was like their pride and joy. In fact, they like would worship the Nile almost. To them, it was like the center. It was the heart that pumped out all the blood into Egypt. Um, so God is making a huge statement here by turning the water into blood. What is God saying when he turns the water into blood? He's, he's saying that he is the life source. They, the Egyptians saw the Nile as their life source. They worshipped the Nile. They found great pride in the Nile. But God was saying, no, I am your life source. I'm the one that's made you successful. I'm the one that's allowed you to be prosperous. And in a moment, I can take it all away because I created this Nile. I can take it away. Um, so he's saying, don't look to the Nile as your life source. Look to me, the almighty God of the universe. I'm the only one that you need. Um, so we see that Moses takes his staff 
or Aaron takes his staff and dips it into the Nile, and the Nile turns to blood, and every single drop of water in the entire land of Egypt turns to blood. Um, so we can just picture the panic that's probably going on in the people of Egypt. They don't have water. How do you drink anything? How do you make food? How do you clean? How do you wash yourself? Um, and, like, imagine if all our water just turned to blood. First of all, that'd be scary. Second of all, it's just like, okay, how do I live now? You know? Um, so their life source was cut off, and day to day, their days were made probably a lot more difficult. Um, and they had no fish. All the fish died. So no fish, no food, no fresh water, no drinking. Um, so yeah, the life in Egypt is getting slowly more miserable, um, and all because of Pharaoh. Um, I have a question. Yeah. So if, like, the Nile is the life source for, for the Egyptians, and the Israelites are there, isn't that making the Israelites' life harder as well? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So, like, the Israelites all have to go through these places as well? They go through half of them. Well, they go through a few of them, and then... God separates them halfway through. Yeah. I don't know why he allows them to go through it. I mean, maybe we to know he was God, too. Yeah. yeah. They needed to see. Yeah, because they, right. they spent however many years away from him. Right. Right. And Moses, two chapters ago, told them, God will deliver you, and they didn't listen. Hmm. So yeah. they need to hear too. Yeah. That's so true. That's probably why God does it. Yeah, the last plague that we'll go over today, God separates them and they're not impacted by it. Yeah, but that is really interesting to think about, that God's chosen people were allowed to go through this suffering. It makes me wonder, like, in the end times, if this is, like, a shadow of the end times in a way, and how maybe the people of God will be around for some of the end time stuff. But that's another conversation. <laughs> um, so the next plague just makes me, like, laugh out loud. It's <laughs> yes. It's the plague of frogs, um, and it's ironic, and it just shows the humorous side of God, I think, because the Egyptians, like snakes, they thought frogs were sacred, and they had a rule that they couldn't kill frogs, because um, a frog, I know, it's so funny, um, the goddess Heket, it's, it's H Hecate? Hecate? Maybe. I don't know. It's, uh, is it a Greek god? Um, it's a Egyptian god. Oh, it's H-E-Q-E-T. It was one of their gods, and she was pictured with a head of a, um, with a human head and then a body of a frog, and she controlled all the frog population. <laughs> <laughs> oh, holy frog goddess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Don't. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, so God, his sense of humor, his jealousy for people to know who he is, he sends frogs, an abundance of frogs. They're everywhere. And none of these Egyptians can kill a frog because they think that it's a god. And so, um. Next time I see a frog, I'm like, God? Um, so yeah, it just, I, I just think that each one of these plagues has a purpose behind it, and the purpose behind that plague just makes me laugh. Um, and the magicians, the funniest part to me is the magicians replicate this plague, and they succeed, so they create even more frogs. So it's like, great, <laughs> you just added to the plague. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, oh, and they also replicated the water and the blood thing. I forgot to mention that before. Um, so yeah, they replicate the plague. Um, it does no good, but they do show that they have some sort of power. Um, and Pharaoh's heart is again 
hardened um, once again. Um, yeah, so that is a very interesting plague. And then the next plague um, is gnats or lice. Who here has had lice? It's awful, right? It's terrible. Um, imagine the lice that you had times like 10. Like lice everywhere. Wow, They're in your. Lice. Mm. Yeah. She, she gave herself treatment, which is wild. That just shows how, like, her home life is. Anyways. She gave herself the treatment? Yeah. Oh, like she had to do it on her own? Oh, oh. oh is she? She's a poopy. No higher than sixth grade. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that's hard. Yeah, I had a lice. At least we'll remember that very vividly because we went on vacation and I had to wear a shower cap. The whole way oh, down. Oh, no. <laughs> That's kind of embarrassing. And I slept. I remember sleeping on the floor like, yeah. with a trash bag around my pillow. Oh, it was a low point. Very low point. But funny story. Okay, sorry. This is so. This is a little rabbit trail. But during this time, I was not following the Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my grandfather's daughter. Granddaughter. I was not following the Lord at this time and I like would go to parties every once in a while and I remember I thought I had lice because my head was like so itchy and I was like I'm just gonna go to this party it's whatever I was a junior in high school and so I went to this party and we all spent the night and then like two days later Everybody had lice. <laughs> and they were like, they were like, bro, who had lice at the party? You're like, not me. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, I have lice too. Like, who did this? <laughs> so I, I feel like that was like God's like mini plague in my life too. <laughs> I know. It's funny now to look back on, but those poor, it was like ten people that like got lice. <laughs> oh um, so yeah, and we back to the plague. It's an awful plague. There's lice crawling all over their arms and their and their hair and their eyebrows. Um, it says that they were lice coming from the ground, so the dust was literally becoming lice. Um, and so it's possible that God was trying to make a comment about their earth god, whose name was Gerb. So God was just challenging their trust in their God who provided earth and dirt for them and he was changing it into terrible, annoying lice. Um, and the magicians were not able to recreate this. Um, but they start to notice something about the plagues and they notice it before Pharaoh does. Um, what do they say to Pharaoh about this particular plague? This is the finger of God. It is the finger of God. The magician... The finger. Yeah. The magicians and and all their own like dark magic stuff, they could even see that this plague did not come from anything else other than the hand of God. And they were starting to understand that this God, whoever he is, is more powerful than the gods of Egypt. Um, which is amazing that they're realizing that. But Pharaoh, no matter what other people realized, he doesn't realize it for himself. Pharaoh's heart was still hardened, and there was no way he was going to give in to what Moses and Aaron and God ultimately wanted out of him. Um, so everyone around him saw, but he couldn't see. Another thing I was thinking about is that Pharaoh probably was, he was impacted by these, but probably not as much as, as his people, right? So the people of Egypt are suffering. He's like up in his palace. He's probably getting like a few flies, a few lice. His water is like blood. But like, He's probably not suffering nearly as much as his people. Um, 
So that kind of shows probably where his head's at. He's thinking just about himself. He doesn't see the suffering of people around him. Um, yeah, any questions so far on the, on the plagues? I feel like I'm moving pretty fast. Cool. Moving on to the next plague, the flies. So we have lice and then we have flies. Two different things, but both very annoying. Um, the swarm of flies invaded the Egyptians' homes. So this is where we see God separates his people. Um, he says, um, where does he say it? 22. Yeah, in verse 22. But that on that day I will set apart... Um, in the land of Goshen, where my people were dwell, so that no swarms of the flies shall be put there, and that you will know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. So this, for some reason, the flies, this is the plague that God separates his people, protects his people, and he only swarms the Egyptians with the flies. Why do you think that God, why does God separate his people at this time? What's he doing? Well, isn't the end goal to get all the Israelites out? Mm-hmm. Or is it all the people? Um, he, he's definitely trying to get all the Israelites out. So maybe just showing that they yeah. love him. Mm-hmm. Trying to get them the same. Yeah. Like the treatment. Yeah. Kind of saying, like, these people are set apart. Because they love me. Yeah. Well, and also <clears throat> telling those people, you are set apart. Like, mm-hmm. you're different. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to treat you differently. But now yeah. that you get that I'm God. Because by now they would have understood... Like, they would have known about these big gods, right? They would have known about this frog lady god. They would have known <laughs> that the Nile is a big deal. They would yeah. have known, like, that the earth is a big deal in Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. And so after God has shown them, okay, I'm bigger, I'm better, I'm cooler, now you're different and you need to know it. Mm-hmm. So he starts treating them differently. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's showing to his chosen people that they are chosen. And he's showing to the rest of the people, don't you want to be like these people? <laughs> <laughs> they're chosen. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely just making his statement. And he's showing people that when you follow the Lord, when you obey him, it comes with protection, it comes with peace, it comes with prosperity, um, but only if you follow him. Um, so Moses goes to tell Pharaoh and warn him that the plague is coming. So it's always interesting. Like, Pharaoh knows the plague is going to come before it all before it comes. Um, but he still hardens his heart, and then the plague happens. And it's like, oh, I didn't know this was going to happen. Um, so Pharaoh doesn't do anything. The plague comes and it's harming his people. It's harming his nation and his magicians can't do anything about it. Um, and then we see something very interesting, um, in verse 28, um, actually verse 25. Then Moses called Moses and then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, go sacrifice to your God within the land. But Moses said, it would not be right to do so, for the offerings we shall sacrifice to the Lord our God are an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice offerings abominable abominable to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? Um, We must go a three days' journey to the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he tells us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you must go to very, just not go very far away. Plead for me. Then Moses said, behold, I'm going out from you, and I will plead with the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, from the from his people tomorrow. Only let not Pharaoh cheat again by not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So what what does Pharaoh want Moses to do for him? Pray. Pray for him. Yeah. Yeah, Moses is kind of faking repentance, right? He's tricking Moses. Um, so here we see an example of what a a 
false repentance is. Do you guys think that Pharaoh's heart is truly <laughs> repentant here? No. No. Why not? What's the evidence that he's not truly repentant? Another plague is right after it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, another plague happens. Yeah. Well, and they also, like, the whole time they're telling him to, like, let my people go. And he's like, mm-hmm. okay, go. Go do a sacrifice, but don't go too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and if you yeah. Do, I still won't give you the people. Yeah. Yeah. And I would like, go ahead. You go. In that moment, <laughs> that would have been a red flag of, like, okay, he's not going to let us go too far. Like, he doesn't truly. If, he truly believes, like, okay, yes, this is God, like, we need to obey him now and you start repenting. Right. Because it says, do everything God tells you to and ten times more. Like, right. Like, wouldn't have said, okay, do it, but not all the way. Yeah. So. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. If he was truly repentant, he'd be mm-hmm. like, like, oh, like, please forgive me. Do whatever you <laughs> needs to be done. Yeah. yeah. Go six days journey. Yeah. Yeah, get as far as you can away from going. here. <laughs> Yeah. What were you going to say, Andrea? Well, as soon as the flies leave the last couple verses, the flies left Pharaoh and his officials and his people, and not a fly remained. But this time, also, Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let people go. So as soon as the problem was fixed, he was like, ha ha! Sorry! Yeah. What do you guys think made Pharaoh want to turn to God as a resource in this section? Because he's never turned to God for help before. So what? why do you think all of a sudden now he's like, Moses, go to your God and please pray for me? Maybe he's, like, kind of coming. Like, oh, let's see mm. if it actually works. But Yeah. Oh, like, maybe his heart has like, softened. Go ahead. Let's see. Yeah. Maybe. Let's see what you're like, see God. Like, really, yeah. It's really... I need it as, like, he's just, like, buying time. Like, mm-hmm. he's like, okay, let's, like, end this plague for now. Yeah. Let me figure out what what's going on here. Like, how we can get ahead of this. Like, talk yeah. to my magicians. <laughs> and then it gets hit again. And, like, I feel... I haven't read as far ahead, but I think eventually probably realizes, like, okay, there's no off-running this. Yeah. Can't get ahead of it. Yeah. Well, he also, I'm pretty, I don't remember completely, but I'm pretty sure that the magicians can't replicate anything anymore. No. For the rest of it, starting from the last one. Mm -hmm. So he has now realized, okay, my guys can't do this, so they can't undo it. Mm -hmm. And this is awful, right? And it says, flies poured into Pharaoh's palace, and he's he's experiencing these things, too, maybe not at the same level mm-hmm. but he he's there he's, he's there, there yeah so he's probably like okay my mm-hmm. guys can't fix this yeah. so let's at least like like kind of what kayla said let's find a solution for now like and the solution seems to be that so we'll just do that and then we'll go from right he was just using god as like his last resource basically yeah. all his human power resources failed him so he went to god yeah. yeah, what does it say? Well, he did it. He sent someone else. He said, well, yeah. while you go, sit, pray for me, too. Yeah. Just stick my name in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't do much. He was right. like, just stick my name in there. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's just like, oh, please, Moses, plead for me. Um, so I was like, oh, what a faker. Yeah. But uh, what does it say about Moses that he's willing to go intercede for Pharaoh? He's willing to go pray that Pharaoh would be relieved of his suffering. Because I personally would have a hard time praying that. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just showing how God is beginning to like open Moses' heart up mm-hmm. more and more like, yeah. to the Lord and to others. Yeah. God is definitely working in the heart of Moses as a leader who is willing to pray for even his greatest enemy. Which is what we see in the life of Jesus, and is what Jesus commands from us. 
which is so cool that that's traced throughout all the Bible. We talked about this week that we at, we talked about that this week at Popping Conversations. So cool to see that like come full circle, you know. Um, so yeah, there's no truth change in Pharaoh. Um, like Andrea said in verse 32, we see that Pharaoh's heart is again hardened as soon as the problem is fixed. He's like, ha back to doing my own thing and going in my own way. Um, if his heart was truly repentant, his, he wouldn't be hardened again. He would be soft. His heart would be soft. Um, so Moses, that Pharaoh, I keep saying Moses instead of Pharaoh. Pharaoh only turns to God when it's his last resort. He's not truly repentant. Um, so thinking about Pharaoh only turning to God when he needs him or not truly repenting, only using God to get out of a consequence, how are we kind of like Pharaoh? Because we do that. <laughs> <laughs> because we do exactly that. Yeah. Yep. We do that. Yep. We are just like Pharaoh. It's our human nature, our sinful human nature that just hates the consequence of sin but wants to continue in sin. Um, we just want the consequence to go away but we want to choose our own way. I call that pocket Jesus. Pocket Jesus? Because you just, you got him. You know who he is. You know what he does. You uh-huh. know where he is. You just take him out when you need him and you put him back. That's good. <laughs> That's really good. Easy access, Jesus. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So how do you, how do we know when our hearts, talking about us now, how do we know when our hearts are truly repentant? You, you feel bad about your sin. Yeah. You long to stop sinning. You yeah. want to not just be bound by whatever is holding you mm. from this world. And you're, you're, you're ready yeah. to be done. Yeah. And we can fake that quite easily. We can convince ourselves that we're there. Yeah. But when you're like, you're, you're, it's, it's a different feeling when you're, when you're really done. You're like, I just want to be done. Yeah. You, you can finally separate yourself from sin and when you look at the picture you're like I don't want to be this version of myself anymore mm-hmm. I want to be this better version yeah and you can deny that right Plenty. like oh I want to be better like you know I want to do better with my life and all this stuff but if you don't repent every time mm-hmm. if you don't feel horrible all the way to your gut every time yeah. you don't want to repent yeah you you just don't want to have to say I'm struggling with this anymore mm-hmm. you don't want it to be a red tick on your name yeah so it's you don't really want to repent until you feel horrible every time you say mm-hmm. you don't want it anymore yeah yeah that's good yeah yeah how do you know when you are truly repentant I think, like, whenever, like, at least for me personally, like, whenever I feel truly repentant, I feel, like Andrew was saying, like, I just feel this, like, like a lot of guilt just about, like, my sin, but then, like, I also feel this overwhelming sense of forgiveness and peace and just comfort because, like, I remember what Jesus did on the cross, and I remember that his righteousness was poured out on me, and then all of a sudden that righteousness just looks like Beautiful, the most beautiful thing ever, and I'm just like, oh, I'm so obsessed with Jesus. <laughs> like, because like it, it's just true. Like, I mean, like God really did save us, and just remembering that it's just a really, really beautiful thing. Yeah, and it's just really cool. Yeah, and when we are at that lowest point, when we hate our sin so much, I feel like that's when we trust the grace so much, like stronger. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes we like to run away from that 
super guilty feeling. Like, we're like, oh, it's not that bad. My sin isn't that bad. I, I choose my own way. Like, this, compared to other people, it's not that bad. Or, I'll fix it tomorrow. We try to shove it aside. We don't think about it. Um, but God actually, like, he says, like, many times in his word that he loves a broken and contrite heart over sin. Um, Andrea, could you open up to Psalm 51.7? I'm going to read Isaiah 66, too. Um, and then, once you're there, Andrea, you can read it. Yeah, just seven? Yeah. Okay. Um, Psalm 51.7. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. That is not the one I wanted. What do you want? The the broken contrite spirit the Lord will not despise. Is it in there? 51. Uh, 17. Yeah. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. Thank you, Andrea. I was so confused. (laughs) That is my typo. Sorry. I'm known for that. I'm known for that. Um, But yeah, a broken and contrite heart the Lord will not despise. So that... That sinking feeling that you get when you're done with your sin, when you're like literally grieving over your sin, that is exactly where the Lord wants you to be so that he can actually change your heart. Um, And that's like the sacrifice he requires. It's not, let me do 10 good things to make up for this one bad thing I did. Like, no, just like repent and make it right with the Lord and then go on living in freedom. Um, And then Isaiah 66 too says, all these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is to the one whom I will look, the one who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. This is not Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh is not trembling. Pharaoh is not humble. Pharaoh is not broken over his sin. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't be when we, when we fall into sin. That's how we taste the grace and the mercy of God is by getting to that point and realizing just how bad we are so that we can taste just how good he is. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on just like that whole repentance section? I feel like there's a lot there. I don't want to skip over anything. If you guys have thoughts, I think it's so easy to fake repentance. Yeah. To others and to yourself. Hmm. And it until you truly repent for something, you could have just been faking it the whole time. Hmm. Until you really, really feel it. Yeah. Is it a real thing? Yeah. And I, I struggle with it because there are some things that I'm like, I don't I don't feel bad for this. I don't feel mm-hmm. bad for the way I acted. I don't feel bad for it. It makes sense, right? And then, then I'm like, Should, was it justified? Was it okay? Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't understand. And then other times I am re- I'm just wrecked yeah. with all of the guilt in the world. And it was a similar situation. I'm like, how, how, how do we get here? Mm-hmm. How does this work? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think sometimes we so easily fool ourselves to thinking that, oh, this situation, like, I, I was justified. Like, it's fine. You know? Yeah. You weren't. Ever. Yeah. You're not ever justified. You're not called to be that way. No matter if you were right or wrong in that situation, mm. you should repent. Mm. You should feel bad. You shouldn't be like, oh, it was fine. Like, I was justified. Mm. No. Yeah. And I think it's so easy to trick ourselves. Especially now when everything is my truth and... You know, everything around us is you do you. Okay. It's yeah. really easy to <clears throat> miss what true repentance is supposed to be. Yeah. I think it's just so hard. We talk about it like it's easy. We talk about it like it's, you know, one, two, three, you're done, just do these things. It is so hard yeah. in practice. Yeah. And it hurts. Like, 
okay, the past two months I've been praying almost every day that the Lord would, like, show me my sin, which is scary to pray, like, because <laughs> the Lord shows it to you, yeah. and then you do a lot of repenting, and it hurts every time, because you have to die to yourself, and be like, no, I, I gossiped here, I, like, I kind of excused it as not gossiping, but it was gossip, or I said something here that I shouldn't have, or I thought something here that I shouldn't have, um, and, I don't know, but the Lord, like, is so faithful, and sanctifying you, and starting to, like, prune away, chip away the things that need to go. And it's like a joyful process at the same time. Any other thoughts? I have something completely unrelated to say about the plagues. Oh, go for it. Okay. So, I'm a nerd, and it's great. Um, The plagues. There's all of this, and I have a point, I promise. There's all of this, like, scientific evidence that I watched this really cool documentary about how they all could have actually happened, and how the world and all these things would have actually happened this way and it would have been a real thing but even if we can scientifically prove all of them isn't it so cool that god orchestrated absolutely every little bit of the earth and the way they work and the processes and all of these things to function in that way yeah. regardless of whether you believe in miracles or not which everybody in this room said so if you don't then no problem but <laughs> you didn't need to get there by the end of the story um but even people who don't believe this can't deny that it happened because there's we can prove it, hmm. like, historically and scientifically. And there are so many things in the Bible that are that way, but I think it is just so cool that even though we can line up the science, that it lines up. Like, the the parting of the Red Sea, Red Sea? Dead Sea? Red? I don't remember. I think it's red. red. I think it's red. Like... That could have happened because of this giant wind and this rift and the thing, and they could tell you it. Like, it's so cool, and huh. I, I just love it. It's awesome. But God put it there. Yeah. And he made it exactly that this is, you know, like, lakes and oceans change and stuff, and this is where it was at this time, and this is where the fish were at this time, and this is what the cows did. Like, it's so cool. And, like, the firstborn thing that comes, they were the first ones served out of the family, so they're the ones that get the top of the grain or whatever. So that's where all the bugs would be. So of course they are the ones that are gonna get sick and die. Like, huh. it's it's amazing. Like What's God documentary. I don't remember what it is. I'll go find it. Okay. It might have been an answers that. in Genesis. Okay. Something or other. But it is so cool yeah. that even though like these are miracles, right? God did these, and He put things in place in our physical scientific world that we can prove this to people who don't already believe it. Yeah. Like. How do, you, how, do you, how do people deny that God exists when he can orchestrate? Like, this is amazing. I'm not trying to downplay the miraculousness of all these plagues and the things that God did, but, like, he even sewed it into science and yeah. history that these things happen. It is so cool. <laughs> yeah. I think it is so cool. It's a documentary now. No, that sounds awesome. I think it's so cool. Like, yeah. It's awesome. It is awesome. And he does it. He does that so that we will believe, too. So that there's no excuse for anyone to not believe because there's so much evidence. Yes. I just think it's so good. Yeah. Hopefully, I'm not trying to downplay no, how you're miraculous not. and in charge God is here, but like, it's so cool. Yeah, you're this not downplaying so it at all. Cool. Isn't there like a Bible verse that like says like all the there's like evidence of God everywhere, um, and then oh, no one should have an excuse for saying there's no God. Yes, yes. it's in Romans. I Romans. Like, um, somewhere in the early parts of Romans, like. I don't know the exact location, but for, yeah, 
it says no man is without excuse because all of God's glory is displayed in creation. Mm-hmm. You read that right. So even God says it. Yeah. 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 So it literally says no man is without excuse. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh man. <laughs> That's scary. Um, so yeah, and I like I don't want to, like I think that I don't want to be like the Bible thumping, you know, preacher that's like, repent of your sins. But like, really, like, repent of your sins. And like, receive the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that is yours in Christ. And know that it is, your sin doesn't define you. Um, but the Lord promises to sanctify you and grow you and make you more like Christ if you're willing. Um, and so even though it's a scary prayer to pray, like, Lord, show me my sin and show me how to repent. It's the best prayer you can pray if you want to become more like Christ. Um, so my question and my encouragement to you guys is, what do you need to repent of tonight? Um, are you living in disobedience? Did you mess up somehow? Um, is your heart soft or hard towards God? Is it soft or hard, hard towards the things of God? Um, just cry out to the Lord. Have a conversation with Him. He already knows. He already knows what you're struggling with. He already knows what you're going through. Um, he, he sent Jesus to die for you. There is so much forgiveness and grace. Um, and do whatever you need to do to turn away from the sin, because sin leads to death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Um, so yeah, that is my encouragement for you guys. <laughs> Just face pointed to the ground. Um, so obviously these plagues show us that God takes idols very seriously. He takes people when they're not looking to him as God, he takes that very seriously. Um, Oh, also, this is a personal question. You can just write this down in your journal. I'm not going to make you answer it. Andrea, I'm not going to make you answer it. <laughs> um, when is the last time you repented of sin in your life? Um, so just think, when is the last time that happened? And is there evidence in your life that that was a true repentance? Um, so maybe spend some time this week like journaling about that or thinking about that or praying about that. But that's my encouragement to you guys. Um, so yeah, that's all I have. Next week is Valentine's night. We'll let you know where it's at. And then the next, next week, chapters 9 through 10. The rest of the plagues up until the Passover. Actually, I think we're going through the Passover. Uh, no. No, we're not. We're not going to the Passover. But the Passover is crazy. Any questions or comments about tonight? Great job. Good job oh, thank, thank you. Thank you for teaching. We love it. I'm just surprised that you guys like you guys keep coming and wanting to listen to me because sometimes I listen to myself on the podcast and I'm like who, who, who listens to her sometimes I turn off the podcast and I'm like oh I can't anymore I'm gonna go pray all right I'll pray for us uh, actually I always steal the prayer Anybody else want to pray for us? I can pray for us. All right, Andrea, take it away. Lord, thank you so much for um, giving us weather that is good enough that we can get out and come see you. Thank you for the health of all the women in this room that we could all get here safely um, and that we're all just doing well. Um, Thank you for just allowing Riley the space in her schedule and the the willingness in her heart to teach us and to lead us through Exodus, a story that we all know so well. Um, but just thank you for her willingness to dive in deeper every week and pull um, just your message from it. Um, I know that everyone in this room is so thankful for her, and I just want to take the time to thank you for her willingness to teach us so many times during the week. Um, just thank you. I pray that um, 
This week we'll focus on our sin and where we need to repent. I pray that as Riley challenged us, we all ask for you to reveal our sin, reveal where we have repented and haven't, um, and just help us focus on that this week as we prepare our hearts for the next one. Amen. Amen. Amen.